0: This is a podcast about new crops. You're gonna love it. Join us on The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin.
1: The interesting part about this business is I tell people over and over again that there, we haven't even come close to reaching a saturation point where we're gonna to have to lower our prices. I honestly don't see prices going down for the next 20, 30 years.
0: Welcome to The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. I'm Jason Fishbach, your host today, and this is the third part in our chestnut series. And today we're going to focus on processing and marketing chestnuts with Roger Smith, who runs Prairie Grove Chestnut Growers. Okay. All right. So, Roger, do you want to introduce yourself and uh, how you're involved with uh, chestnuts?
1: My name's Roger Smith. I live in uh, Columbus Junction, Iowa, southeast Iowa. I've been a chess. Started planting chestnuts in 2003, and I started the. Uh, I, well, I took over the uh, the marketing arm. We have a group of 68 growers in three states: Illinois, Missouri, Iowa. I took over the marketing arm and processing arm in 2014, and. Um, we have grew from marketing 25,000 chestnuts to close to 100,000 chestnuts.
0: Pounds of chestnuts, not individual.
1: Yeah, chestnuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pounds, okay. Pounds of okay. chestnuts.
0: Okay.
1: Well, uh, my background is in marketing. I worked for Corporate America in a marketing uh, avenue for over 30 years, and I mm-hmm. find it challenging and interesting to do the marketing.
0: So maybe let's talk a little bit about your production side and then we can get into the, the Prairie Grove. Um, so you've been growing since 2003. Are you primarily growing Chinese chestnuts or what kind of
1: chestnuts? Yes, we've been growing uh, primarily Chinese chestnuts on my farm. And most of the growers that I deal with are uh, Chinese chestnuts. I have a, one grower that has uh, some European... And I got a spattering of American chestnut trees, maybe uh, half a dozen with uh, throughout the, the growing area here. Okay. So, but it's it's 99% Chinese.
0: Tell me more of the history of Prairie Grove, how it got started, who was involved, who were the leaders, and maybe a little bit. Because you're not actually a formal cooperative, right?
1: No, this is a brokerage company. It's not a, a it, we're run as a cooperative, but it's basically a brokerage company. Okay. Uh, it started, like I said, it started in 2014. Uh, Tom Wall, a uh, local grower here, he started the chestnut industry in this area back in the ni- 1990s. And because of that, he would buy chestnuts from the people that planted the trees. So they had a market. But uh, it, the the problem Tom had his facility isn't big enough to handle the volume and he didn't want to expand. And so we, we had a meeting with all the growers in 2013 and trying to decide what we were going to do. There wasn't any interest in forming a co-op. So I agreed to, uh, to try it and I bought a building downtown and uh, refurbished it, built a walk-in cooler and, uh, created some uh, processing tools, and we got started that way.
0: When uh, growers start harvesting their chestnuts and they're going to sell uh, to you, um, what are they doing post-harvest processing, and then what do, what do you do? What's, what's involved in chestnut processing?
1: Okay. Uh, generally, the harvest starts somewhere around the 15th to 20th of September. I send out a newsletter in August to all the growers and all the people that are interested uh, outlining my ground rules for delivering chestnuts. and they I'm not going to uh, I'll go over as many as I can here, but sure. basically, I ask the growers to harvest chestnuts every day because they are a water-based nut. and if you leave them on the ground for more than a day, they're going to shrink. The animals are gonna get into them, there'll be bite marks. And so we try to minimize the damage to the chestnut and increase the weight. I I stress to the growers that they harvest daily, they'll get more uh, money for their chestnuts because they're gonna weigh more. So I ask them to harvest every day. I ask them to clean the chestnuts it's easy to do. You can rinse them off, put them in a, a bucket and, and float them, take all the, the twigs and the dirt and the chaff off of it um, so the chestnuts come in clean. Uh, when they do come in, uh, and I ask them uh, not to freeze the chestnuts. I've had instances where they, <laughs> they want to hold the chestnuts and put them in a freezer, and if you freeze a ch- uh, fresh chestnut, they're no good. So, um, anyhow, they bring them into uh, my processing center, and what we, they bring them in in totes and buckets. What we do is we label each, uh, they transfer them into my totes. We label each tote with their name and grower number, and then we, uh, what I found works best, we sort the chestnuts through my sorting machine, and then we clean them. We kind of do it in reverse order because if I clean them before uh, they get into my sorting machine, they tend to, because they're moist, they tend to pick up uh, dust in the air and through my machine, and I have to clean them again. So Mm -hmm. we sort, then we clean. Uh, Most of the chestnuts don't have to be cleaned. It's an eyeball thing, and if there's no dirt on them, I don't clean them and then we uh, after we run them through the sorting machine we weigh everything we catalog that for the grower then we bag them in 25 pound bags if they're going to be shipped through the mail post office we put them in 25 or excuse me we put them in 10 pound perforated plastic bags Uh, then we put them in our our walk-in cooler and our business plan is to sell fresh chestnuts, and so we don't hold the chestnuts for very long. If they're if the chestnuts are in my cooler for over five days, it's an odd experience. Um, we've got customers uh, – well, I'll back up here. Is there any questions you have about the processing before I get into the, the marketing end of it?
0: Yeah, so, you know, in, in the hazelnut processing that we're doing, there was – we harvest the nuts off directly off the shrubs, they never touch the ground. But in, in Oregon, they're swept off the ground and there was some E. coli issues. So this must've been five, six years ago and it totally upended their whole industry because they had lots of like uh, collection nodes where people would bring, you know, neighbors would work together to get them cleaned. And then there was just issues of, uh, you know, all this stuff coming off the orchard floor. So, you know, so that's kind of carried over for us into the hazelnut world here in the Midwest. And I'm just curious, so what do you have to do from a licensing standpoint or food safety, like are you doing a sanitation step as part of that cleaning, like a disinfectant solution or something, or how are you handling all that?
1: Well, we we haven't done that yet. Um, that's something that uh, it, as we get larger, I'm I'm going to put in place. Um, you know, knock on wood, we've been doing this for six years. We never had an issue. Right. And like a lot of nuts, we uh, the the customers. Most the most common method of eating a chestnut is roasting, mm-hmm. so they're cooking the chestnuts. Uh, that's not to say somebody doesn't eat a fresh chestnut, but that's it, that would be rare. So uh, we haven't incorporated anything like that into our our processing center yet, but uh, certainly that's something that uh, our next step will be to do something like that. I will say. We're on city water, mm-hmm. and it is uh, you know chlorinated. Although you know the chestnuts need a little bleach if you're gonna uh, if you're if you're gonna sanitize them. Sure. Um, we the, just haven't um, done that. Gotcha. Uh,
0: so the um, is the sizing and cleaning considered food processing that you would need a license? You know, and hazelnuts. As soon as we crack a hazelnut, we have to have a food processing plant license. Um, but I suspect if you're not peeling them or roasting or just washing, you would you wouldn't, right?
1: Yeah, we we first of all we don't sell any chestnuts that are cracked or damaged. Yeah. You know, uh, we we eyeball everything when when we process them and when, then when we bag them, we try to take all those out. And so we're not selling uh, the edible chestnut. We're selling the edible chestnut. Uh, with the outer shell on it.
0: All right. So um, I was. Let's go into marketing. I was looking on your website. So now, now is the time for people to be ordering chestnuts. Is that kind of how you're, you've got your business set up, where you start taking pre-orders here in the fall and then ship as they come in?
1: Well, I got. I, I have three math, uh, three different methods I use to market the chestnuts. Uh, the first method is for uh, people to come down to my processing center, and they can purchase chestnuts where my plant is. And that, that has evolved over time. That went from about 100% my first year to now it represents about 20% of my uh, sales are for people stopping in and purchasing uh, chestnuts that way. The second method is uh, sending, uh, my second method is delivering chestnuts to uh, different areas of the Midwest where I gather orders, uh, before time. And then I, I deliver in a van at a specified time and place. And that has evolved, uh, to about 50% of my business. Wow.
0: And that's mainly to like, um, ethnic communities. I think Tom was talking about Bosnians and others.
1: Yeah, that's mainly, uh, ethnic minor Almost all our—I would say 95 percent of my sales are to ethnic minorities. They're either Bosnians, they're Greeks, they're Italians, they're Chinese, they're Koreans. Uh, they make up the bulk of uh, of my uh, sales. Gotcha. And you know that's—and uh, I'll wind this up later on. But you know the the interesting part about this business is I tell people over and over again that. There, we haven't even come close to reaching a saturation point where we're going to have to lower our prices I honestly don't see prices going down for the next 20 30 years I there is just a long time to uh, it takes such a long time to ramp up production and the interest and the interest in chestnuts keeps on growing and we're not even doing any uh, advertising yet and uh-huh. we haven't even touched the, uh, you know, the what I call the uh, white Caucasian market. Most of those people don't even know what a chestnut is, so right. there's a lot of room for growth here. But right wow. now, our our marketing is to ethnic minorities that I outlined earlier, and we can't even su- supply all the needs they have. What what we found is I can deliver the ch- I deliver the chestnuts for a dime more. And it's a lot easier for me to deliver them than it is to have people come down there to my plant to buy chestnuts for a couple reasons. Uh, Number one, my supply changes day to day. And I ask people to call me before they stop down because there's days we have nothing to sell. And then the next day we'll have 10,000 pounds of chestnuts in. So it it varies considerably from day to day. And the second thing is when people come down, they want to talk to me and we we have about seven people that work for me, and when we're busy, we're busy and It's very time consuming when people come down there and i you know i I'm not trying to discount that I don't like people coming down there, but it's it makes it a little bit harder to run the whole process and When I deliver the chestnuts, I can talk to them there, and there'll be a, a group, and I can answer one question that everybody else has. So it, it, it just line, streamlines the process. Right. And then the third, third method that we developed in the last four years to sell chestnuts is online sales. Okay. And one thing we did that really helps us is we advertise Chinese chestnuts. And I would say the bulk of my chestnuts that I sell online is to the Chinese community all over the United States. We, we sell in 46 states. We're wow. not uh, allowed to sell in uh, Washington, Oregon, and California. They have specialized rules, and we're not set up to we're not set up to uh, to sell in them states.
0: Gotcha.
1: And it, it, it grows every year. We pretty much send everything through the post office right now. Uh, we get we uh, what we sell on the internet is a little higher price because there's more work. Involved in packaging, and then transporting the packages to the post office. Uh, we sell, we only ship on Mondays because there's a lot of variability in delivery times through the post office. So if we if we ship on a Monday, about 80% of the chestnuts will get there on Wednesday or Thursday, and then 10% on Friday, and the rest the rest of them on Saturday. And occasionally we'll get some held over to the next Monday. The internet part of our sales is really growing. It, it went from 5% to last uh, two years ago, it was uh, over 20%. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we, what I do that's kind of unique, I'll pick out, uh, at the end of the season, I got so many orders I can't fill. I'll pick out five people and I'll, I'll just send them free chestnuts. May, may, and I, they're maybe a pound or two apiece. And I don't charge them anything. Um, that's kind of the, my way of getting the word out and, uh, you know, uh, treating people to the experience of a chestnut and hopefully, uh, they'll talk to their friends and the next year, you know, we'll get increased sales from that. The, one of the biggest issues was sending chestnuts through the mail is shrink with chestnuts because they're a water-based nut. Mm-hmm. And so when we sell 20 pounds, we sell 20 pounds to a box. I put 20 and a half pounds in the box. And uh, if it takes more than two days in the mail, we'll, they'll lose a half a pound. Mm-hmm. And we got complaints that the weights weren't right. And so we went to a perforated plastic bag. And now we we market everything uh, through the post office in, a, in that kind of a bag. Now the problem is, if we, it takes over two days, there may be a little white mold that shows up on the surface of the chestnuts. And so we communicate to people that they can either wipe it off, they can mix a little bleach water and soak them in that and then rinse them off. Uh, internal mold is a lot different than outside mold. And that's, this isn't a big problem, but it's, the, the, you know, it's like anything. You solve a problem and another problem comes along. Right. And so right. that's an issue we have to deal with. We put a, we put a little flyer in the, the box when we send it telling people how to clean their chestnuts before eating. So Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, you know, we aren't getting a lot of negative feedback since we went that way.
0: Gotcha. Um, So when a customer gets a 20-pound box, um, could you kind of talk through, because, you know, most of your customers, obviously, have some familiarity with chestnuts, but, you know, the rest of the population maybe doesn't. Can you just kind of give an, an overview of how customers should be handling these chestnuts when they get them, how to prepare them, cure them, take care of them before they Well, end.
1: in the flyer we put in, or in conversations I have over the phone with them, I tell people they need to refrigerate chestnuts. If you don't refrigerate them, they're gonna dry out and you're gonna lose weight. And they're, uh, after, you know, over time, over a couple, if you leave them out for a couple of weeks, they're going to dry out. They're going to be hard to eat. So I tell people you can, uh, if you're going to eat something in the next few days, you can leave them out. They'll age that way. And when chestnuts age, they turn the carbohydrates into sugar. And uh, it makes that's what makes the chestnuts sweet. And so you, there, you do want a little aging before you eat them. So I tell people to refrigerate them, and then when they get ready to cook them, because they're a water-based nut, you have to score the nut. You have to take a knife and put an X on the nut uh, before you cook them. And like I said, most people roast them. Some people put them on a cookie sheet in the oven. They have to score the nuts that way at 220 degrees for like 20 minutes. Or you can put them in a microwave. You have to score them first. You can put a pound in a bowl. It takes about a minute to cook them that way. Uh, then uh, through to over time, when you need more chestnuts to eat, you can take them out of the refrigerator, uh, let them age for half a day or a day after you take them out of the refrigerator and start the process all over. After the chestnuts have been aged two to three weeks, you can freeze them in the shell that way, but you can't freeze a chestnut before they age. The way you tell if they're aged, If you take the chestnut between your forefinger and your thumb and it's spongy, there's an air pocket in there, that means they've been aged. If it's still hard as a rock, it means it hasn't been aged. And so you can cook what a lot of people do. As soon as they get the chestnuts, they will cook cook and peel the chestnuts and uh, put in the refrigerator what they're going to eat in the next 30 days, and then they freeze the rest of them. If you have cooked the chestnuts, then you can freeze them. Gotcha. And the longer you the longer you freeze them, the more they're going to uh, convert the starch and the carbohydrates into sugar, and the sweeter they're going to be. I found that with my own experience.
0: Huh. So you just pull them out of the freezer and let them thaw out and they're ready to eat? Or do you have to do anything else? Yep.
1: Let them thaw out. It doesn't take long, you know, yeah. let them thaw out for about an hour. And, um, you know, you can recook them or you can eat them, you know, cold like that. Mm-hmm. Um, either either way.
0: The supply chain is, given the demand that you've got, is there like a big glut of new production coming in soon or is, how, how's the supply looking for the next, you know, five, 10 years?
1: Well, since 2017, I would say, Uh, in our area, which is, I call, a 200-mile radius from where we're at into Illinois up to the Minnesota border down the middle of Missouri over to western Iowa. In our area since 2017, I think there's there's 5,000 trees being planted every year or more. There is a lot of interest in chestnuts. I see the the, uh, our area being the focal point of chestnut production going forward, I don't see any type of this much planting of new trees anywhere else in the United States. Wow. I mean, the, people are planting new trees across the country, but not to the extent they are in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one reason for that is um, we had the, We have the climate, we have the the best soil, we have uh, young people that maybe have uh, 10 acres or more and they're looking for a way to get some income off of that. And the the chestnut certainly works. One thing that really helps the chestnut market is that it's very intensive the first three years after you plant a tree. To keep the tree alive, you've got to water it, you've got to make sure it's uh, the weeds are, are uh, kept away from it, keep the animals away from it. Uh, there's a lot of work. It's not like planting a walnut or an oak tree. It, there's a lot of maintenance to a tree first three to five years. And then it takes about 10 years for you to break even in this business. You'll start getting chestnuts on the fifth year, but you really don't get uh, enough to pay for your time until about the eighth the 12th year some somewhere in that time frame mm-hmm. so i always tell people it's a 10 year payback you're investing a lot of money and it takes 10 years to get it back
0: so the uh, size of the chestnuts are you finding that there's a certain market preference for i see on the website you sell small medium large extra large is there a
1: well that's a good question because when i first started i did I didn't know if I was going to be able to get rid of uh, all the sizes. The most common size that people want is the medium and large. And uh, after the first year, I priced them both the same because they're so close that if I run out of one size, I can interchange with the other size. And people are happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The medium to large chestnut is the easiest size chestnut to roast. And I mean that because when they roast them, they want all the nuts to be uh, cooked at the same time. And with that size of chestnut, you can uh, roast them over an open fire and they're all gonna be complete. um, They're they're all gonna be completely cooked at the same time. Now the small chestnut, uh, when you roast them, they tend to burn because there's not as much mass to them. And the the extra large chestnuts don't tend to roast evenly. Uh, when you get into that size of chestnut, the uh, the shape is different. Some of them are round, some of them are oblong, uh, oblong. Some of them are even larger than an extra large. Uh, you get all kinds of variability, and they don't roast evenly. So, the bulk of our customers want the medium to the large chestnut. What we found is there's ethnic groups that love the small chestnut. They think they are sweeter, and the reason they're sweeter is because there's not as much mass and they convert to sugar a lot faster than the other sized chestnuts. The other sized chestnuts will be just as sweet, but they're going to, like the extra large, would take two to three weeks of aging in order to be comparable to the small chestnut. So uh, there's people that like the small chestnut. And then the ex- we found ethnic minorities, uh, uh, specifically the Greek, Community that like the extra large chestnut, uh, it tends to uh, keep uh, longer. Uh, you tend to get more chestnut uh, when you consume it. So, when, from their perspective, you're getting more chestnut meat per serving. Uh, a lot of the, we don't do much with grocery stores. I, I haven't got into that, but when we started. We probably sold 75% of our chestnuts to grocery stores. But what we found is the, uh, there's an avenue to the consumer that we tapped into. We can charge more for the, well, we can charge more for the consumer. We don't have to go through a grocer. Uh, one, of the, one of the issues with grocers is we sell them 1,000 pounds and they sell them over 10 days the last few days, the bags may not weigh 25 pounds, and so they want me to reimburse them for the shrink. Right. And with the customer, you don't have to get into that because uh, when you sell them 25 pounds, they get 25 pounds. Right. right. So we we went from 75 percent to about five percent of our sales now is to grocery stores, uh, for the price reasoning and price reasoning, and for the uh, the negative feedback reasoning.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense.
1: So I, I try to keep my finger in the grocery business because I know down the road when we get more volume, we're going to have to have everybody involved in order to sell all the chestnuts. And so I eat some of my profit by selling to a few grocery stores, but that's not something I do on a wide scale.
0: So the harvest comes in September, October. Are you have you pretty much cleared everything out in a couple of weeks, a month? Are you you know are you sold out by the end of the year? How's does that work?
1: Well, we start taking orders in August. Uh, we we don't sell many chestnuts until October because we don't get that many in until about October first. Uh-huh. And we try our our business plan is to sell fresh chestnut. We're not in the holiday market. And so I hope my goal is to be sold out by the 5th of November every year. And so far we've met, we've met that. Yeah. And I've got a, we got, we advertise, we have 1800 customers or more. I got people I can call and has maybe bought a bag. I'll call them and ask them if they would like another bag because we our supply is a little heavier than what we thought. And I, I very seldom get turned down. So we don't have uh We don't have any problem getting rid of the chestnuts since i've been doing this and our goal again is to be sold out by november 5th
0: do you think if you had supply during the holiday season you would sell more is there is there an interest there if you had the supply and availability or can you even store them fresh long enough in good enough condition to meet that market
1: well i think yeah i think there's interest there i the, the only thing they know about – that group of people know about chestnuts is the Christmas song. Chestnuts yeah. roasting on an open fire.
0: Right. And if Closby, you've ever been right? to New
1: York – and if you've ever been to New York City, on almost every street corner, they roast chestnuts. Huh? And that was my first experience with chestnuts. You can buy chestnuts in New York City just about anywhere in the metro area. And, you know, all types of people are buying them. Yeah. So I, I know there's a market for them. It's just a matter of advertising, and, you know, we may even have to do roasting seminars to have, like, tasting tests, taste tests for people to experience it. I mean, it, it's not going to be uh, simple because they don't have a history of eating a chestnut, but I, I'm fully confident that we can uh, mature that market if, the, if our supply gets big enough and we can do some advertising. But right now we don't have to do any advertising, and honestly, I don't think we'll have to do any advertising for at least twenty years. Right, That's something right. way down the road
0: yeah um, How much do you know about what's going on in other parts of the country like what's happening in Michigan?
1: I blog to the chestnut growers of America. we meet once a year we have about a hundred members, and uh, we go over uh, production issues, marketing issues uh, we, our, our strong point, one of the things we we put a lot of time in the last two years is uh what you talked about earlier the cleaning of the chest when they come in mm-hmm. because we're all small right now, but it's going to get bigger, and I'm sure the uh the fDA or whoever the policing authority is is going to come down and mandate we do some things different sure. but with with that said. <clears throat> The people in Michigan grow a different type of chestnut than we grow in Iowa and Illinois and Missouri. Uh, it's what I call a uh, older hybrid. Uh, it's, they produce a lot bigger nut. I would say 75% of their nuts from my understanding are the extra large chestnut. Their marketing plan is different than mine. They market to, uh, they, they actually have a hauling machine where they can uh, capture the, the chestnut inside the shell, and then they, they sell the uh, chestnut and the ch- uh, chestnut flour to companies that way. Mm-hmm. They also wholesale chestnuts in the big metro areas. I don't know if they do a lot of retail selling. Uh, that I think they do some, but I get the feeling that it's more wholesale and more processed nuts. And that marketing plan works for them. Uh, Their chestnut, from people that know chestnuts, tastes different than ours. Uh, We compete in Chicago uh, with them in some areas, and the feedback I get is people think our chestnuts are sweeter. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't want to be biased. I'm just giving you feedback on what our customers tell us. And so there must be something to that, yeah. but they produce a good chest. I don't mean to say they don't have a good chestnut. They they produce good chestnuts, and mm-hmm. they're the the people that buy theirs obviously love the taste of them. And so it just uh, comes down to a preference in people. It's just like you buy uh, you buy wheat bread or whole white bread or some other kind of bread. You know, it's all in the, the preference of the customer.
0: Yeah. Right. So how about on
1: the, the in, west? Uh, oh, good. And they grow a lot of chestnuts in the Ohio area. That's kind of where the industry, uh, the chestnut, China, the Chinese chestnut industry started back in the nineteen eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure their climate is as conducive to production as ours is in the Midwest, but they sell a lot of chestnuts. Uh, they're all Chinese, uh, Chinese chestnuts, as far as I know. And uh we have customers that interchange between theirs and ours, and from everything I've heard they their taste is very similar to ours. but their gotcha. growth area isn't anywhere near what ours is here yeah, right. and then you got uh you got chestnuts in California that's a whole different market and they they use different hybrids in uh, California and Washington state out there. They sell pretty much on the West Coast. You know, like I said earlier, we're not allowed to sell into California because of quarantine issues with fresh produce.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah but their they're, uh, land is a lot higher priced out there. They're a little slower getting into the chestnut business. I see that business in California expanding. Uh, right now there are a lot of uh, walnuts and almonds out there, but I see it being, some of that being converted into chestnuts. Uh, in time, I see that being a, being a bigger market, but not right now. And then right. you have a scattering of chestnut growers through Pennsylvania and the Carolinas and Florida. And I, when I say scattering, there may be, you know, half a dozen growers in those states. It's nothing major. Yeah. And they have their markets on the East Coast. Um, the, the East Coast market is huge. And I just started getting into that a couple of years ago. I I can't begin to say we could sell all our chestnuts in New York City if I wanted to. Sure, but you know we're we're based in the Midwest and my clientele's in the Midwest. There's a lot of room for growth on the East Coast, and they they will pay a lot more per pound than the people in the Midwest are paying right now. So uh, that's a big market that we haven't captured yet, but it's on the horizon, and I see that being uh, conducive to keeping our pricing strong. Because, you know, I tell people that uh, our prices may be a little high, but uh, we sell throughout the United States and we can get rid of them. And so, you know, I don't raise my prices uh, 50 cents a year. I raise them maybe 10 to 20 cents a year, and we've been doing that since I started. And so we're slowly getting up to, you know, what I think is reasonable price for our chestnuts.
0: Uh, Just Going back a little bit on the processing side and working with the growers, um, when they bring in a, a batch of hazelnuts, uh, I'm sorry, I keep keep mixing the two up because I work with hazelnuts all the time. When they bring in a batch oh, of, right. yeah, a batch of chestnuts, um, will you go and do a, a grading process uh, and you know pay them for just the good chestnuts, or how do how do you handle that? That's something that we've uh, always kind of struggling with is how to how to grade the hazelnuts. Well,
1: there is a lot of variability between the growers, and I have to say, once a grower has been with me a couple of years, I don't have any problems. Uh, I get my message across. Uh, we the growers that are new or in their second year, it's not uncommon for nuts to come in a little dirty or a little out of shape, or to have animal bites on them. And what I do is I I warn them the first time that their chestnuts aren't up to my standards. And what we'll do with those chestnuts, I have an outside rack. We'll put them on an outside rack. We go through them. We clean them, and we sort out the bad ones. So I give them feedback. And the second time if it happens, I dock them uh, a price. And I haven't had to do the third step. But the third step is if they continue to do it, I reject the chestnuts. And as much as I would hate to do that, you know, because we can sell every chestnut we get, but they've got to be in good condition. Right. Um, that's kind of how we ha- we've we had people hold chestnuts in their basement and bring them in, and they have a little mildew smell to them. And I, you know, I tell them that they need to keep turning them if they're going to do it that way, and they need to bring them in a lot sooner. And some of these people tend to be an hour away, so they they try to make all their chestnut sales in two trips, and so what we do with them, we'll, uh, we, we put them in uh, cold water, and we let them sit there for a period of time, maybe 20 minutes, and then we rinse them off outside, and I, what I've learned over time is if you do that and sort them, the, the, the mildew smell goes away. I've, I've checked the inside of the chestnuts, and they don't seem to be damaged. And so uh that's one that's one issue we've had with some people. Um, we've had people that, that 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 don't storm in refrigeration and let them sit out and if they come in warm i those folks I have to reject the chestnuts. if they come in and they're really hot, uh they make me really nervous, and you know I just can't sell a chestnut that's not in good shape, right. and they understand for the most part that doesn't happen a second time. But there is a learning curve the first year, uh, definitely a learning curve. Uh But most people understand when they're getting $3 a pound, I pay the growers about $3 a pound for their chestnuts, that if you bring in 100 pounds, that's $300. It's worth their time to make sure they're in good condition because, uh, you know, there is quite a bit of revenue. And and going back into the poundage, you know, we have 68 growers. I would say the average grower brings in about 1,000 pounds a year. We've got a half a dozen growers that bring in over 5,000, and then we have a smattering of maybe 10 or 15 growers that are just getting started that may bring in 2 or 300 pounds. So uh, there's a lot of revenue to be gained. People understand uh, my position in order to market a chestnut, and quite honestly, it hasn't been a problem once I get past the second year.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And do they get paid based on the sizing too, or is there just a flat rate per
1: pound? Uh, No, I I pay, eventually I'm going to go to a flat rate pricing, but right now, because of the volume we have, we sort by size and I pay roughly $3 a pound for the medium large and extra large, and I pay roughly $2 a pound for the small chestnuts. Okay. Because the, the small chestnuts are the hardest ones to sell, I don't I don't have any trouble selling them, but I have to discount them a dollar to get you know to to merchandise them. So that's the, that's why they're a dollar less. I pay the growers, and quite frankly, when I started this, I wasn't even paying a dollar a pound for the smalls. I was paying about two twenty a pound for the the rest of the chestnuts, and now we're paying three dollars a pound and $2 a pound for the smalls. So we've increased our prices about 75% since I've started. And the growers recognize, you know, what I'm doing for them. And it's a two-way street, and we have a good relationship, uh, them and me. And, um, you know, everybody's excited about this market because they, you know, I keep preaching that uh, I just don't see an end in sight. And um, right now, like I said, we're paying $3. Who knows, in five years I may be paying you know, three thirty, three forty a pound. It just depends on what I can gauge the market to be. But I don't see it going down. Right.
0: Yeah, and you're you're not even selling to the majority of the population, right?
1: That no, we're not, we're not We're yeah. not selling. To, you know, people in my hometown, I may sell to a couple people, and they don't even know what a chestnut is. They come down there and and you know, the biggest mistake people made, and I made this too, is to eat a chestnut right off the tree. And the first year I did that, I'm thinking to myself, who eats these things? Because yeah. they had a real bland taste to them. Yeah. And so then after talking to some of my buyers, my customers, I found out you have to let them age. And so that most of the chestnuts, you want to have them age at least seven days, maybe a little longer. And the longer you age them, the sweeter they come. You know, yeah. Right now, the, the chestnuts I consume, uh, I, I freeze them. And I take them out in January, and it's it's like eating candy. You can't believe how sweet they are.
0: Huh. I got to get online and get get an order in here. <laughs> it's funny, me.
1: <laughs> well, I just shut my online sales down last night. Oh no, <laughs> because uh, uh, you'll have to text me. You'll have All to right. text me, and I'll put. You, but uh, I'm getting so many orders because uh, it's going to be a short season this year. That storm that went through Iowa and parts oh, of Illinois yeah. in August—it blew a lot of the chestnuts right off the tree. Gotcha. And so, and so, it was heartbreaking. And I went from thinking we were going to have a, a normal crop to now it's probably going to be about a half a crop. Wow. Gotcha. So every year but, is different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other question here on the production side. So if you know if I'm a grower and I got to harvest every day how long uh are they are the plants shedding nuts so is it like a 2 week process i got to be out there is it a week how, how long is that window usually
1: well let's say a normal person has 100 trees uh those trees will bear chestnuts over 6 weeks uh one you'll have two trees together one will start on the 15th of september and the other tree will start on the october 1st it's it's amazing how how that is yeah. And so you harvest every day. If you've got 100 trees, it's going to take you six weeks. You won't get done until the 25th of October.
0: Got it. And that's because these are all seedlings, so every tree out there is different. There's no clonal. Yeah,
1: they contest. all have their own DNA. And it could be, this, you know, the same variety, but the difference in the variety is just like growing up in a family. you got got three, three or four children, and they're all different, the same way with the chestnut trees. Gotcha. Okay.
0: So this isn't really a, something that an absentee landowner can just show up on a weekend, do their harvest and go away. This is something they gotta be on the farm, pretty much yeah, all Yeah, And,
1: and we har- quite frankly, we harvest twice a day. We harvest in the morning and then we go out at night. Uh, right. Almost everybody that harvests uses a nut wizard. I would say 95% of our growers use a nut wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's fairly simple to walk around the trees, harvest the chestnut, kick the burrs to the center of the tree so you don't have to go over them again. And that, it, quite frankly, kicking the burr to the center of the tree when you're harvesting at the end of the year tells you which trees are the highest producing because yeah, the right. evidence is sitting right there. Hey,
0: just curious, um, what are you using for sizing? and hazelnuts, we, we've gone to the drum sizers. Is that something similar that you're using? Or are you doing roller sizers? or?
1: Yeah, we're well, we have. Uh, well, we started with 35-gallon drums that we, okay, uh, we 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 put holes in according to the size, and I just built a new sorting machine because I'm getting so much volume I can't keep up. The right. machine I got now will produce about process about 200 pounds an hour. The one I'm building will process about a thousand pounds an hour. Got and it. it's stainless it's stainless steel but it's still on the roller concept concept
0: yeah okay so how how um how big are you able to get is there going to be a, a point where there's going to need to be other processing nodes that are doing the cleaning and sizing and then maybe bringing them to you already resize i mean you've got to have some incredible refrigeration storage already right
1: well we've got a uh We've got a 17 by 16 foot walk-in cooler. And like I said, we don't keep much in there over a week. So sure. we're rotating in and out of there. Yeah. But what I see happening in our operation is um, you can buy these used reefers and put a condenser on them. And you can back them right up. I got up a dock. You can back right up to my dock. We can, wheel, we can wheel stuff right into that and make it a lot simpler, it has a lot more capacity. Uh, that's the route I see going. I think with my current facility, we can process up to a million pounds. After that, I'm going to have to build another kind of kind of building. Gotcha. But uh, but that, that you know, we're looking to upgrade. Quite frankly, it's a privately owned uh, company, and yeah. I'm trying to make it cash flow and try not to get ahead of myself. And the last two years have been a challenge. You know, last year we had so much rain that – Chestnut trees don't do good in rain and a lot of rain,
0: yeah and right. because
1: the roots got roots got to have air and so our we went from producing our processing a hundred thousand pounds in two thousand eighteen to about twenty thousand pounds last year, mm-hmm. and now we've had this storm go through here, and we're looking to process maybe fifty thousand this year so uh right. i I got to get past these last two years. And then we're going to upgrade our facility. We're, we're going to incorporate a, a, uh, some type of a bleach system or a cleaning system with mm-hmm. water before, before we bag them. I mean, there's a lot of things we're going to do, but uh, I, you know, I'm trying to – I'm 68 years old. I've been behind the eight ball financially in my life. I never want to be there again, so I'm doing sure. these things as I see I can as I, I go through every year. Yeah, yeah. Awesome.
0: Brought to you by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Division of Extension.